On a warm October day in 1962, in international waters between Florida and Cuba, World War III was as close as the press of a red button. Soviet submarine B-59 was lurking in the deep, fully armed and on patrol to keep the shipping channels open between Cuba and Russia. Being as she was a diesel-powered submarine, however, B-59 was noisy, and the U.S. Navy was quick to pick it up on sonar. Eleven of our destroyers surrounded B-59 and began dropping signaling depth char charges. These were, these were not depth charges intended to destroy, but to signal to the Soviet submarine, convince the captain of the submarine to surface and identify himself. But submarine B-59's captain wasn't about to do any such thing. It would be a dishonor to Mother Russia to surface and make themselves known. Their whole purpose was to remain a secret, always shadowing the U.S. Navy, but never being seen. But submarine B-59's captain had a problem. You see, his submarine was designed to operate in the freezing cold waters of the North Atlantic, not the warm tropical waters of the Caribbean. And his boat's air conditioning system just couldn't keep up. On top of that, the diesel engines needed a fresh air, uh, needed a fresh air supply periodically to ventilate the submarine, or they would overheat. The longer they stayed underwater, the hotter and more miserable it got inside. And man, did it get miserable. So unbearable with diesel fumes and hot, stuffy air. And the men were exhausted and depth charges going off all around. On top, Captain Savitsky began to become unhinged. He was certain by now that all the that, uh, total nuclear war was going on uh, up on the surface. And the only thing left for his crew to do was launch the submarine's nuclear-tipped torpedoes at the U.S. fleet. Now, had he done that, the narrow channel of ocean between Florida and Cuba would have erupted in a huge dome of water, certainly knocking our ships out, which would have caused us to retaliate. Because as you know, you know how it was during the Cold War, right? One side, if one side starts it with just one nuke, <laughs> the other side retaliates with everything they have to gain their strategic advantage. Captain Savitsky's, with his blood was boiling, anger raging at the thought that he was probably already too late in retaliating, he gave the order fire the nuclear tor torpedoes. We were seconds away from World War III. But before the firing button could be depressed all the way, someone intervened. <clears throat> See, Captain Savitsky wasn't the only high-ranking officer on submarine B-59. There was a Commodore on board, Vasily Arkhipov, who was in charge of the whole Soviet flotilla in that area, five subs in all. Soviet rules dictated that if the flotilla commander was on board your submarine, his permission had to be given before any launching of nuclear weapons. 
Thankfully, Commodore Arkhipov was a, a cool cat compared to Savitsky. He said, no, don't launch. The captain relented. His temper cooled. The sub went home, and the Soviets kept this insignificant little story secret for decades. It wasn't until 2002 that the public learned that Vasily Arkhipov took his heroic stand. He's often been, been called the man who saved the world. Who knows about him? Very few. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, right. Now, this would make a great movie. I don't know why someone hasn't done it yet. Uh, if you've seen uh, Crimson Tide, comes close, right? But why does the story matter? After all, we don't spend three weeks or three months in a Russian submarine. We may spend a semester carrying a heavy class load under stay-at-home learning, or we might fight the headwinds of a financial downturn. We might spend night after night at the bedside of a sick child or a dying relative. We may fight to keep our family together or our business from going under, and some may want to fight like hell if they want a country. We're all tempted to press the red button and launch. Not nuclear torpedoes, but angry outbursts, rash accusations, or hateful retaliation of ugly words. Sometimes we just want to let the other side have it and deal with the consequences later. So what do we do when the temperature's up and we want to go nuclear? How can we keep our finger from pressing the red button? How can we keep our heads when everyone else is losing theirs? We can go on a walk up the Mount of Olives. Yeah, that's right. Go on a walk up the Mount of Olives and sing a hymn. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But singing is a whole lot better than pushing the red button of war and sin. We can sing because of God's power. See, singing a hymn, they went up to the Mount of Olives. Matthew 26, verse 30. Imagine that. In Jesus' day on that mountain, everything was about to go nuclear, and the crucifixion was about to happen. In fact, Jesus could see Judas and the band of soldiers. He could see them coming down Mount Moriah from Jerusalem, down the path with their torches, and going through the Kidron Valley, and up the side of the, of the Mount of Olives. Jesus could see all the happening. And he could see his fate coming an hour away. What did he do? He sings. Sings praise. He sang psalms, praising God for his power that delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. Here are some of the verses that Jesus and his disciples sang. Psalm 113, verse 7. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Psalm 115.3 Our God is in the heavens. He does everything He pleases. Who knows what the tunes were like in, in, in Israel then, but they sang these. Psalm 116, verse 8 The Lord has delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Psalm 118, 22-24 The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. 
and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Man, when your world looks dark and everything's about to go all nuclear, sing because of God's power. It's incredible. It's why we come to church, to sing. Christ is about to be betrayed by a kiss. Then in rapid fashion, there will be deniers. People will slap him, beat his face in, spit on him, whip him within an inch of his life, and mock him. And then there will be those soldiers that will nail him to the crucifix. What does Jesus do? He sings. Jesus sings because of God's power. Psalm 118:17, I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Now in 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat gains a great victory over the Ammonites, the overbites, and the underbites. All those bite people. How does he do it? If you notice at that very end of that reading from 2 Chronicles, they broke out into him. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the he appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Now Psalm 149. Verse 6 comes up huge with this. The praises of God are in their mouths like a double-edged sword in their hands. See, when the praises of God are in our mouths, they're like double-edged swords. They can silence our sinful words on the one edge and on the other edge give us comfort and hope. When God's truth is sung, it becomes, His word becomes teachable to us and transformational. When the heat is on and the stress is up, sing. Sing hymns and songs. Sing because of God's power. Sing because of God's promises. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Imminent disaster is right around the corner Jesus but there is also Galilee see Galilee is where Christ begins his ministry and it's where he continues his ministry even today and after his resurrection Matthew 28 10 then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they there they will see me Galilee will be a place where Jesus will be even after he dies and rises again. When everything looks dark and bleak and you're tempted to go nuclear, sing because of God's promises. Why do that? Why sing? Not just because you come to church, but because the end is not really the end. With Jesus Christ, the end is never the end. There is death, but there is also resurrection. There is the place of the skull, but there is also Galilee. 
That credit card that you can't pay, that's not the end. That girlfriend or boyfriend that dumped you, that's not the end. That diagnosis is not the end. America going to pot is not the end. Climate change is not the end. Christ will bring his end to this earth. Christ brings you and me a new beginning. So sing because of God's promises of that and pardoning of your sin. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. (laughs) Peter will not fall away. He'll just deny Jesus three times. On Easter morning, an angel tells the women, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as you said, or just as he said, I'm sorry. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, gets mentioned by name here. Peter, who caved in under pressure. Peter, the rock who broke into pieces right when Jesus needed him the most. He says, go and tell the men and Peter. And Peter. Well, sing then because of God's pardon for Peter. Sing because of God's pardon for parents. Sing because of God's pardon for partners and peers and even pastors. Sing because of God's pardon for all people. We cannot outsin the grace of God. Now, before I go on to this next story, DJ, did you have a question? When did he be a disciple? Yeah, he was already a disciple. Well, that's right. And, and, I, and I was saying, he was mentioned by name because he was forgiven for denying him three times. Yeah. Mentioned by name, forgiven. Now, you're welcome. <laughs> now, growing up, a son's job is to mow his family's lawn, and I was no exception. You know? And often, our family's lawn mowers are a step above garage sale junk, right? Now, my dad had one that you could, you know, you could, it was spring-loaded, you crank it, you flip the crank down, and the spring automatically started the engine. But my neighbor, uh, he had one of those pole lawnmowers, right? And I used to watch him go out there and pull and pull and pull and pull. He didn't quite, he was a couple of years younger than me. He didn't quite have the strength to pull the cord all the way out and get that motor turning, right? So he would be out there for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I'd watch him try and pull and pull. And then finally, his dad would come out and say, I'll pull with you, son. And the dad, when the, and he would pull it and start up the first time, you know. This is the way our Heavenly Father is towards us. So give him your stress, you know. Ask him to help. You don't have to pull and sweat alone. That's what Jesus shows us at the Mount of Olives. And that's why he sings, and that's why we sing. When things go south in the waiting room, the living room, the boardroom, the classroom, the conference room, or the emergency room, you don't have to go nuclear. You can sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. He has forgiven you. He has given you his peace, which surpasses all our human understanding, and he keeps you in his fold until the resurrection to eternal life. Amen.